and welcome to Better Than Mario Brothers, the podcast where each episode we take a delve headfirst into cinema's sewer and pull out the very choicest turds for your listening pleasure. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my partner in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. Uh, and this episode, we are looking at David Ayer's 2016 uh, disaster piece, I guess, <laughs> Suicide Squad. Um, it feels quite timely to do this, what with Birds of Prey uh, having, well, just dropped by the time you listen to this, if you if you listen on the day that we drop it. So, you know, this is one I put on the list, I think, immediately when we started yeah. doing this show. I was, I was straight away said, like, I want to do Suicide Squad. Um, and I guess it just feels like the right time to do it with the return of Harley Quinn due to happen imminently. Yeah. Um, and and just straight off the bat, um, I don't hate this film at all. I actually really fucking like it, if, I, if I'm <laughs> honest. I know it has problems, and we'll look at them. Um, but that's kind of why I wanted to do it. Um, I just wanted to to address the fact that I really think this gets a bad rap. Yeah, me too. I mean, I didn't see it at the cinema. I wanted to, and it kind of passed me by, as tends to happen when you've got two small kids, um, or one at a time, but... Um... Yeah, it just, I just it just didn't happen for me for various reasons. So, um, pretty much as soon as it came out, actually on um, on home release, I bought it. Um, and randomly, I watched it on a train. I don't get the train um, any sort of significant distance most of the time. I'm normally sort of ten minutes to and from work. Um, but I, I was going to a meeting somewhere, and I thought I've got a couple of hours to kill. I'll I'll, I'll stick it on my iPad and I'll watch it. And I remember I was on a train, um, and it was a fairly quiet carriage. Not one of the quiet carriages. I was just in. It was that time of day where it was relatively quiet and I had people looking at me because I was laughing so much. Um, and I, for it's no, this was never going to, no, this was never going to be Citizen Kane. Let's be fair. I mean, no. Citizen Kane's overrated in my opinion anyway, but no, it's regarded as a classic. So we'll go with that analogy. It was never going to be Citizen Kane, but for what it was going to be, I, yeah, I'm the same. I, I can see there are issues with it, but I don't have massive problems with it myself. Um, yeah, I'll, um, we'll we'll delve into it as we go. But I mean, for for me, it was it was what it said on the tin. It was a it was a crime romp, basically, with you know, lots of gratuitous violence. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does have issues. I I can't pretend that it doesn't. No, but, no. you know, just like when we started this this podcast, um, the the reason we chose Mario as our benchmark was because it's a film that we both know has issues. And is widely regarded as a bad movie, um, yeah. but we quite enjoy. So it, it seemed like a good a good place to be ground zero. And and this, I feel, is very much the same as that. I mean, in in rewatching it for this podcast, I am now on my fourth time watching this film, um, which tells you something because you know, all right, I, I don't have the kids to contend with like yourself, but you know, I'm a lot older now. Um, and I have a lot more responsibilities than I did back in the eighties where I would get a VHS of a film and watch it again and again and again and again and again, hmm. uh, you know, and that's how we get to, you know, getting these films that, that we consider classics, you know, your ghostbusters and, and your back to the futures that you would watch until the tape wore out. Yeah. Um, I've watched this four times now. This was released in 2016, so that's once a year. Um, I can't honestly think of another film in recent memory that's been released that I've watched that much. Um, And, you know, okay, one of those times was at the cinema. Uh, The other three subsequent watches have been on on Blu-ray since I've owned it. And 
to give you some sort of benchmark of how much I actually enjoy this film, I've been off work today. I, I have a day off. Um, and when we do this this podcast, you know, we've, we've mentioned on, on some of the other shows as well, sometimes the sheer weight of things that we have to watch uh, can be a little bit overwhelming. And, and I'm not complaining, you know, we choose to do this. Uh, but sometimes it's almost like a second job watching stuff yeah. for this for this show, um, particularly with with this show, because films are that much longer than than the cartoons we watch on SMPD or on an episode of Game of Thrones. Um, I've had all weekend to watch this film. I have deliberately left it until today uh, because it was something I was looking forward to doing. I have mm. spent the morning of my day off watching this film and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it, it feels to me for that reason very much like those films that i loved in the 80s that i could watch again and again and again there's definitely and, I, and we'll talk about it as we go through and i remember saying it to, to you after i first got out of this film there is something very retro about this film there is yeah. something that just feels like and look you can make of this what you want maybe it's not a compliment in some circles but i certainly mean it as one um it's like an 80s straight to video kind of release that you know isn't quite firing on all cylinders like an a-level blockbuster would be yeah but it's a damn good time and it celebrates its its awfulness in a lot of ways you know it, it feels like a a sort of a b-tier 80s action adventure romp and i'll take that all day long to be honest uh now now you add to that a lot of the good that's in here and and look I think the performance in this in this film, the performances from all of the cast are pretty much fucking stellar across mm. the board. Um, there's a lot to enjoy. It's just sadly been mishandled. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I, I sort of looked at it, and it, it came actually it came about the time where Marvel were kicking the living shit out of comic book movies, and they were churning out four a year. Um, and we had. Um, We'd had Man of Steel. I think we'd had um, Batman Superman as well, but we hadn't had Justice League. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, this um, comes after Batman v Superman and before Justice League. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we'd we'd had that, and this was kind of the antithesis of that. This was okay. Well, we've had the really dour, really serious, hard hitting. Oh my god, this is so fucking heavy. Don't get me wrong, I love it, but it's no, it's quite it's quite turgid in places. Um, Dawn of Justice. This is the the exact antithesis, and this is what as a franchise they need it because it's it's the same universe it's the same world but it's fun and you're going out there and seeing people who you're really not supposed to like because they're all villains and they're all criminals and they're all killers and all the rest of it but they're having fun and it's just a bit lighter and it's a bit breezier and i mean yes okay there are missteps with it and as i said no, it's mishandled in places but if you go into it no if you go into it thinking it's going to be another avengers it's another team-up movie you're going to be disappointed if you go into it thinking right they're going to fuck some shit up i want to see what chaos they can cause and all the punning and all everything that goes with it you're not going to be disappointed no um certainly not and and this film you know even on the, on the first watch through um this film started from a position of strength for me um you know it just and, and don't get me wrong this was the start of the course correction for dc you're right this is much lighter you know mm. uh, wonder woman and, and aquaman after this and and justice league um would be a lot lighter in tone than yeah. 
than the Batman and Superman films, and and they've definitely made that that switch. Uh, Shazam also has, has been the same, yeah. uh, and it's it's a switch for the better. If you ask me, again, not that I did not like Dawn of Justice, I will defend that film also. <laughs> um, but that is because you know, yeah, they come from a business strength for me because you know, if you've listened to any of our other shows for any length of time. You'll know I'm a huge DC Comics fan. I mean, as as we record this podcast now, I am sat here, um, just to give you a mental image, listeners, um, I am in Batman lounge pants, a Superman t-shirt, and a Gotham Sirens hoodie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, what, what can I say? Um, that's, that's just me. So this was always going to come from a, from a position of strength for me um and and it, i sort of feel like it's it started at the top and i i've you know i've progressively knocked points off as the film goes along rather than you know coming at it like i would with some other stuff and saying right i'm sure i'm gonna fucking hate this yeah uh, i just didn't do that and when they originally announced it i was very nervous um i was particularly nervous about margot robbie um and you know for all of those things that i was worried about they nail all of that. The the problem for, for Suicide Squad for me and, and the only major problem, which sadly is a major problem and drags it down, is that it's all over the fucking shop. Tonally, uh, narratively, it doesn't quite hold together. Um, it takes best part of 15 minutes just to do the character introductions. Well, yeah, and I think that's probably where it lets itself down because, I mean, talking, looking at an Avengers or a Justice League, Okay, we we hadn't met everybody when we did Justice League, but you'd met certainly the two core characters uh, when you did when they did Avengers. By the time you got to the first Avengers movie, we knew who uh, Banner was, we knew who uh, who Iron Man was, we knew who Thor was, we knew who Captain America was, and we knew who um, we'd been introduced to um, Black Widow and Hawkeye in the other films as well. So by the time you got to that first Avengers movie, you knew who every fucker was. So then you could have a threat, and you have a threat of Loki, who we've already met in Thor as well. So you're not getting anything new. You can, you can go straight into setting up the action. Whereas this is a, you need that time because we've not met any of these characters before. So all of a sudden we need a bit of time to say, right, this is who this is, and this is what they can do. This is who this is, and this is what they can do. And you just get a bit more, probably a, a bit more pomp than you need with some of them. I mean, the, don't remember the set, the setup. Certainly the first two when you set up. Um, you set up uh, Will Smith's character, and that scene where he's you know he's, he's in this in the cell. You get the um, House of the Rising Sun uh, playing. I was on the music cue is very good, and then you move into Margot Robbie and, and Harley Quinn swinging from the bars and all the rest of it. The in, the introductions of those two characters are absolutely brilliant, and they, they they don't seem like they take that long. Whereas as you move forward, because they're because the, the next people you're meeting aren't ones you're as interested in, they kind of take a bit more time, um, and yeah, it just seems to slow that that initial sequence down a little bit. So by the time you actually get to what the fuck is going on, you're like, oh shit, yeah, there were like nine of them. Uh, was the um, first one again? Yeah, like it takes the first act, I've actually written it in my notes. Um, I'll skip forward a bit now, but the first act actually takes best part of about 40 minutes, if I remember. Oh, um, I have written it somewhere. I can't, I can't find it now. Um, but it takes a hell of a long time. Um, now, it's interesting what you're saying about the the introduction of, of Deadshot and, and Harley, because, you know, of that 40 minutes, they were a massive part of that. Their introductions take ages, uh, and many of the characters are actually introduced three or four times. Um, and it, it feels to me, I mean, famously, 
uh, David A was given weeks to write the script for this. Um, <laughs> weeks, mind you. I think about six weeks he's on record as saying it took to write the script, something Which like that, that. that. That's fucking crazy because they announced the film in 2009. Yeah. They didn't start, they didn't start shooting until 2015. So what the fuck were they doing? I know. Um, but it, it really feels, and, you know, he's been, he's been quite guarded about this film here, and he's always been very complimentary towards the studio, not directly, but he's always very much carried the weight of this failure on his shoulders and said, maybe yeah. I should have done this, maybe I should have done that. Um, he, you know, he's played it very graciously, despite the fact that he is very much in movie jail. Um, yeah. He's played it very graciously. I, from watching this film, and this is based on nothing other than pure speculation on my part, it really feels to me like this isn't the film that he wanted to show us. I believe no. that film is in there and this film is at its absolute best when you see it i believe all of the scenes that he wanted to show us are in there more or less i mean i watched the theatrical cut today uh the extended cut has about an extra 10 12 minutes in it something like that all yeah. of harley joker stuff more or less yeah. um but i wanted to watch the theatrical cut for for the purposes of this podcast because that's the one most people are going to have seen yeah um but it it feels like there's been interference, shall we say. Um, I mean, we know now that there were a lot of reshoots. Uh, they're actually visible if you look at people's yeah. hair. Yes. Um, Rick Flagg particularly um, <laughs> has a constantly alternating haircut throughout this film. Um, but it very much feels like, uh, especially after um, Dawn of Justice and, and prior to Justice League, they wanted to build the world. They wanted yeah. to build. And so those first two introductions, whilst, yes, they do set up Deadshot and they do set up Harley, what they do more prominently is feature the bat quite heavily. Mm. Um, and look, it's great. I, I actually think David Ayer handles Batman a lot better in this film than just about anyone else has. And, and I like Batfleck a great deal, but I think mm. he's handled perfectly here. Um I think they really nailed the character because they, they kind of show him from a villain's perspective and he is this just awe-inspiring thing to be feared. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, he's in the shadow a lot. He steps out and just see the jawline. He's punching the shit out of things. Uh, it just generally being Batman. Um, and that's all cool. And look, I'm always going to love seeing that, but we don't need it here. No. Um, just like, you know, we don't need to open the film on Will Smith. And Deadshot is very much framed as the hero of, of this story. And okay, you, you have to hang it on somebody. And you've cast Will Smith, so I get it. He's Will Smith. Yeah, and I'm saying that. I mean, I, 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 I did think it was an odd choice starting on him, given that, yeah, they've, they've hung it on him, but Harley was far more prominent. I, I thought it would have been a better option to start with her. Well, this... Um, this this is the the problem, and here's part of the duality of this film. Um, I I think it was underestimated vastly, and fuck knows how you do this, but they vastly underestimated the popularity of Harley Quinn. Yeah, she's, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, look, she is uh, in this film a great deal. You could argue she's probably the supporting character. But it is supposed to be Deadshot's film, which is nuts considering the amount the Joker has to do with it as well. Yeah. But it's framed as Deadshot's film. Now, those first trailers came out and everyone lost their fucking mind at how good Margot Robbie was as Harley Quinn. Yes. 
and how good the production design and the costuming and everything was like this thing lit on fire and whether you like the film or not harley and the joker from this movie are now a thing in popular culture like yeah. people buy halloween costumes of them i mean harley especially the the harley look from this film is is an established thing now it is a canon harley look in a lot of places yeah that's what harley quinn is to a lot of people um it's it's insane to me that they didn't know that was going to happen but they clearly didn't and at the end of the day you've got one of the highest paid movie stars on the planet and he is look whether you like him or not, I personally don't like Will Smith. Um, he just, no particular reason. I just, I don't take to Will Smith. Um, I, I so When he's good, he's very, very good. When he's bad, he's... Fresh Prince. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't take to him. So, for, but for whatever reason, you've got him. So he's expensive. So you need to use him. And look, he's going to put bums in seats. Um, having said all of that, I think he does a fucking fantastic job here. And it's the best, for me anyway, the, the best I've reacted to him in a long, long time. Um, it's, and, and I think that's because he's kind of leaning into his bad boys persona more than his Fresh Prince persona. Which yeah, I mean, not I only just, that, I think he's, more, he, he's in a world, in a universe as well, where, I mean, certain, a lot of people, certainly yourself included, have spent an awful lot of time and invested an awful lot in not just not so the, not just in the um, the DC uh, heroes, but also the just the villain side of it as well. So these are characters you've grown up with. These are characters you've known for a very long time. So there's a huge investment there where you don't have to start from scratch being introduced to a new character, even though it's a new cinematic character, and there will be liberties taken with it and all sorts. There's enough of this character that you already know that you can lean into. Um, I mean, I don't have massive problems with Will Smith most of the time. Um, generally. When he when he plays things straight, he's quite good. When he tries to do comedy, you can't help but see uh, Fresh Prince, and then it becomes a bit too slapsticky and a bit yokey and a bit you know just a bit shit. Um, things like uh, what was the fucking one? Was it Seven Pounds? Something like that. Um, and it's to yeah. do the weight of the human heart. But he, he was gonna he was gonna um, he was looking for somebody worthy of heart transplant or something. Like that. I can't remember what exactly about. When he does stuff like that, and you give him a chance to open up a bit, he's quite good. And I say when you get stuff like Bad Boys, Independence Day, I quite liked him in as well, even though he was quite early on in his career. But then mm -hmm. you get stuff like fucking Hitch and Wild Wild West. And I'm sorry, get the fuck out. Yeah. And that that's my problem with Will Smith. As you said, he, when he's good, he's he, he and when he's on form, he's good. When he's not, you just get no. You might as well be doing the fucking Carlton dance up and down the road. I know that wasn't him as I was Rivera, but he did it just as much, just as often to take the piss. And you just can't take him seriously, and because of that, he then drags things down so that what is it gemini man that's about to drop as well with him in yeah where he yeah. now he, he plays him he's there's two versions of him i i can't do two versions of will smith i'm sorry i just can't no, do it me either that's my fucking movie going nightmare <laughs> um but but here and, and again like he's just like margot robbie was with harley quinn he's starting from a place of weakness for me because you know deadshot was done quite extensively on the first couple of seasons of arrow um, mm -hmm. And they did quite a good job of it. Um, and all along, I was like, oh, I don't know, Will Smith is dead shot, really? Like, he, he had a lot to prove, but he, he made it his own. Um, yeah, I, I, when when the casting was announced, I was, I was the same. I was a bit dubious um, just because I hadn't seen anything in Will Smith for a long time that made me think, yeah, you know what, he can pull that off. So I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, so, I mean, he does okay, but... Even having said all of that, that that scene that we open on with him, 
whilst it is stylish and whilst all of these these scenes with the music cues are stylish and again they echo that trailer which just makes me wonder like with the popularity of that trailer did somebody shit a brick in yes. the, you know having realized what film they actually had and looked at the trailer and gone hang on a minute yeah we're in trouble this doesn't match this everyone loves this thing that we've just put on the internet so we need to make the final product look more like this yeah the problem was that's a trailer and trailers are meant to just be a random collection of scenes thrown together to good music showing you all the best bits of the film and giving you a vague overview of the story they're meant to leave you wanting more whereas a film is supposed to be the complete package you should walk away satisfied yeah Uh, and yeah so this first 40 minutes just feels schizophrenic i mean it it, and and the stuff here is good. That scene with Will Smith on on the punch bag threatening the guard that's good, and it has, you know, it plays into the story later on. But it doesn't belong here. Just like our introduction to Harley before the credits, where she's swinging from the trapeze and the guard comes up and she gives it the whole "I'm bored, play with me" sort of. Yeah, that's great as well. But it doesn't belong here because what belongs here is the actual opening. Well, actually, the actual opening comes a few scenes later again, but um, there are there are two scenes with Amanda Waller which should come before that. Yes. Uh, one of which has her basically running through the dossier of everybody involved in the squad. That is how you introduce your characters. Yes. Okay? And you don't give them 10 minutes each. She goes, this is who they are. This is what they do. That's all you need at that point. Yeah, and that's where you can get that short scene with Will Smith hitting the punch bag, and that's where you can get Harley dangling from the trapeze, and you can get Croc in his cell. But that's all you need. Just see them, get the flash up on screen with their with their name and what they do. Hmm. That's all fine. We don't need their backstories at this point. No, we, just we can need, build that later. Yes, we just need, this is Deadshot, this is what he does. This is Harley, this is what she does. And then, much later on, because that all happens, then you get a load of intro scenes. Um, then you get more stuff with with Batman and and Harley because even though you've already been introduced to her, you get introduced to her again with Waller. Mm. Um, you get introduced to Joker a little bit as well. Um, so it, it goes on for fucking ages, ages and ages and ages. We get a clip of the Flash, you know, all of this stuff. It's all it's all good, but it all doesn't need to be here. And then we get to Enchantress at the very end. She's the last character we're introduced to, but she's going to be our villain. Yeah. And her heart is the MacGuffin that we all need to get to beat her. Yeah, we need to pull her heart back out. And it's what sets the whole chain of events into motion. Yeah. Well, actually, Waller's kind of the MacGuffin, isn't she? But you get what I'm saying. The heart yeah. is, is key. Yes. Yeah. So we get her last. Well, she should be first. Harley should be last. Yeah. If she's going to be your big ace in the hole, you introduce us to Harley last. And then you can give us that little bit more time with her mm. and the Joker because it's the last person we're being introduced to, so that's fine. But then immediately after all that then, and we find out that she's just sold the squad in a kind of backroom deal and got agreement for, for backing. Yeah. But then she has to do it again in a boardroom. And when she does it in the boardroom, we actually find out what she wants them to do. So you get your plot, essentially. And you get a demonstration of Enchantress rather than her backstory. So why not start there? Well, Let's yeah, that's start uh... with June Moon turning into Enchantress and we can see what happens and then everybody could be frightened because Superman's dead and how the hell are we going to protect ourselves from this kind of threat? And then Waller goes, well, actually, I've throws a dossier on the table. Yeah, and then you, you flash back to her selling the deal under the table the night before so you know that she's already got the room in her pocket because that gives you an introduction to Waller and who she is and what she does. 
And then she can take you through the characters. That makes more narrative and logical sense. You can do it a lot quicker. But instead, what you get for the first nearly 15 minutes is just this random collection of individual music videos introducing the characters and they, and they don't have any weight because it doesn't mean anything because like i know what they're going to do because i know what suicide squad is but yeah. your average viewer might not well no that's right so I there's mean, no buy-in no i mean as i say, I, I like the the introductory scenes wait no where are you getting them they are so they are just on big music videos basically um I, I quite like that they were nice touches but then as you say they didn't go anywhere because then we got reintroduced to everybody again yeah, they they um, very well. They just yeah. don't. You could sell them as, as separate packages. You could sell those as, like, you know, stick them on your DVD or your Blu ray extras. That, that's this is how we introduce what, the characters. And that's what they feel like. And that's why I believe they were done after the trailer, if I'm perfectly honest. Because, you know, the, the very next scene after that, more or less, um, I mean, if we skip over the Harley and Joker stuff, we'll come back to that because I'm sure we'll talk about Harley yeah. and Joker quite a bit. Yes. Um, but we're introduced to Deadshot again, even though we've already had his backstory and, you know, we've we've seen him sort of do this hit. And, and we you know, so we've seen him with his daughter and getting taken down. Then we've seen him do a hit where he's on the phone haggling for more money. So we've been yeah. introduced to him twice already. We then get introduced to him a third time at a shooting range with Flag where they're recruiting him. And that is actually all you need at this point is just him at the shooting range proving that he can tell by the weight of the gun that it's loaded, but he thinks that it's probably going to be a blank. And it turns out it's not a blank. And so Will Smith gets to do a whole bit of a crazy act and then open up on these dummies and not miss a single shot with all of these guns. Like, yeah, that tells us who he is and what he does. That's all of our character information. Yeah. Right there. That's so that's the third time we've inter- been introduced to him. Whereas actually just that would have done at this point. Yeah. And then reveal his backstory as we go and reveal his motivation as we go. You know, his buttons get pushed about his daughter all the way through anyway. So you can drip feed that. We don't need it up front and it will keep the pace of the film going. Yeah. But again, instead, we get this fucking car crash. And it, it really is this first 15, 20 minutes is the worst part of the film. Now, that's not to say that I don't enjoy it because actually it is very stylish. It's all very well shot. It's all very well performed. It all looks slick and polished and great. And, you know, we get plenty of stuff with the bat, which is all good. I like the stuff with the Joker. Incidentally, I quite like Jared Leto's Joker. I'm sure we'll talk about that quite a bit Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So it's all good. It's all entertaining me, but it adds nothing to the film at all. So we get that. We get the tension set up with Flag and um, and Deadshot here as well, and then you know, it just that all feels like a different film. That first kind of thirteen to forty minutes is a completely different film. Then obviously Enchantress gets free, frees a brother, and we're off from that point on. Once he's free, and we put the squad together, and we get our fourth introduction to some of these characters, second to some, first to one, fourth to most of the main ones. Yeah. That it's from that point on, it feels it almost feels like okay, the preamble's over. Now here's yeah. the film. It it you you could start watching this film at about the thirty minute mark, yeah, and it would be a true. lot lot stronger, yeah. much that's, stronger. That said, with that in mind, it's still on. It's still only a smidge over two hours. It's actually um, if you shave it's, credits off, it's under two hours. I was going to say with credits, it's one twenty three. So you're probably talking about one fifteen, one sixteen. Yeah, something like that. I mean, look, 
90 minutes talk. is my perfect length for a film. Yeah, <laughs> actually, slightly less than that. I'd I'd go in the in the it, mid 80s. As I uh, say, 84 to 87. I think is the uh, golden range in that. Uh, yeah, there, there is a reason that's how long our film is. Um, but you know, I I I like all the stuff at the start. I can do without it. And somewhere out there, I've no doubt there is a cut that exists that contains maybe 70% of that stuff that's in the start, just in different places in the film. And I think that would be a lot stronger because it is the pace of this film that suffers. And mm. it's because of this start. It is all over the shop. It's schizophrenic. Um, and you, you can argue that that actually leans into the style of the film a little bit, um, but it still doesn't excuse it. You know, no. and, and like I said, I'm aware there are problems with this film and I'm not going to give it an easy ride. And it's and it's this point where it's at its worst. Um, now, when we get introduced to the squad again, it's at this point that I think we should get everyone's backstory. We can have already had dead shots when he's at the shooting range a bit with flag. And we can already have had a bit of Harleys because they're our main two. Yeah. But the rest of them, if you want to show us what they do, do it here while they're all being wheeled into the Air Force base and we're, and we're tooling up and the team is coming together. That feels like the natural point for us to really get to know everyone. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, it's, it's I say it's, it's one of those. It's difficult. And I, I'd imagine you're right. I'd imagine there is a cut somewhere where the, the, the sequence in is different and it just it, free, it frees up the pace. But also it feels a bit more organic because I think that the problem for me is as you get past this 40 minutes and you start the story and it's a, you're a bit like oh right so actually nothing's happened yet everything we've seen before nothing at all in fuck it what yeah. that means nothing whatsoever and at that point you're like well do i need do i even need to care now because i don't really get it i don't get what's going on because this has already been done and we've seen that and we've seen that and oh oh shit there's a story coming as well and it's just no i said the, the pacing is so, is so off and we've seen so many versions of this type of film where it's been done a myriad of different ways and every one of them works in a slightly better way just because it's been thought about and i think whether it was interference from the studio whether whether david air shit the bed i don't know but at some point it's all kind of fallen to shit and i i mean that's i've I'll, say, I'll, I'll be honest as I, as I told you before we start recording i thought we were recording tomorrow night so i haven't watched this for a couple of months um, so I'm you know, play by play is going to be a bit difficult, but there's some of the frustrations as we talk about them, they just come flooding back to a point where I want to punch things. Um, and yeah, the, the the pacing and this whole setup is just so bloody annoying. And you get, I say, some of the kind of some of the characters are not as well known in the first place, so they they need more time to be set up, and they're completely overlooked. And you kind of get a throwaway couple of lines on on a couple of them where you think, oh, is that it? Oh, we're back to Harley and Joker again. Oh no! Oh, we're back to Harley Joker again, and it's just—it's really difficult to want to stay in this film sometimes. It is. Um, I can't say even on repeated viewings that it ever really annoys me or frustrates me. And look, you know how annoyed I get with a film when it really annoys me. But this, <laughs> for all of the fault in this first. By the way, I've got to my note here: forty-six minutes the first act takes. That's almost as long as it took us together. That's almost half the film. Almost. Yeah. Um. So, you know, for all that it meanders and we get a lot of repetition, I still enjoy every minute of it. Um, I just feel like I've already watched four short films. Um, the, you know, there is some stuff that, that helps that it's in there. The Harley Joker stuff definitely 
helps to be seeded early because of course you know as we move through the film we we learn that he's kind of pursuing her to break her out and you get the, the basis of their relationship whether you like it or not because it caused quite a bit of controversy when this came out yeah um I'm not entirely sure why, but then, as we say on this show many times, I'm not in a position really to comment on that. However, I will say that they go to great lengths, and I think Margot Robbie plays it as such as well, Mm. to make it very clear that Harley is at all times in control in this film. Oh, yeah. Um, Right right from her first introduction, you know, where... um, where the guards toying with her and you get the whole, oh, I'm bored, play with me. And he says something about sleeping and she instantly just comes back with, I sleep when I want, where I want and with who I want. You know, she's always very aware of what she's doing. And then when the Joker kind of gifts her to the, to the low life, um, you know, yeah, the, the act of him gifting her might seem a bit yuck, but she sort of immediately when, when the guy's like, oh, actually, you know, this is your girl, Joker, this is your girl. She just immediately takes the upper hand. Oh, you don't want me then? Well, fine. Fuck you. You know, hmm. she's not, she is not by any means a shrinking violet. She is just besotted with this, this powerful, seductive presence that, that the Joker is. And that is the very core of her character. She has to be that. And particularly when we're first introduced to her, because if she isn't that, then she has nowhere to grow to. No, that's right. And I think, I mean, it's, it's often forgotten as well, because people, I mean, um, Harley Quinn's introduced in the animated series, so she hasn't been around as long as most of the characters uh, we see in this film. But she she appeared as a very well-rounded character. I mean, a lot of them, we don't know why they're backcrack crazy, whereas we know that she was a fantastically intelligent uh, woman, a brilliant uh, psychiatrist, and she was just driven slightly mad because of her infatuation with the Joker which then turned her into a raving fucking lunatic. But she still has that brilliant mind and she still she still understands people because that's where she came from. And so she knows exactly how to play that. So as you said, when you know, when when the the, the um the, the guys, oh no, this is your girl, I couldn't, she automatically knows to turn that on his head because she she's she's playing as big a head fuck as the Joker is. Absolutely. And people and... don't see that. People always no. people always think of her as being very um hard done by you know, always very put upon. But that's the nature of the relationship. He he abuses her, or she abuses him just as much as he abuses her, just yes. in a in a different way. They are they are clearly damaged, both of them. Yeah. And and yes, there is an element of I know people make big of it. There is an element of Stockholm syndrome there and stuff because oh, yeah, he yeah. drives it crazy and, and 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 all of this. And yes, you could argue it's abuse, and and I wouldn't shy away from that. I certainly wouldn't disagree with it. But it is important to start the character here particularly when they're planning on building around her which they certainly are now and i you know yeah. I, I think maybe they weren't quite as much at this point but still knew that she'd appear elsewhere like the the harley that i think we're going to get uh when birds of prey drops and the harley that's that's very much uh, a character in her own right in in her own comic series now you don't get that Harley unless she gets to grow. You can't, because she's an anti-hero, you can't just start her as an anti-hero. It doesn't work. No. You have to understand why she's the way she is and why she reacts to certain situations the way she reacts to them. So, for instance, when she sees people abusing women or whenever she sees anybody being put upon, it flips her switches. And there's a reason for that. And you start to see it towards the end of the film here as well. You start to see her questioning things. So I am not going to dwell on it too much because, like I say, I I am not of of the right gender <laughs> to 
to decide whether you know she's she's represented in in a positive way or not. But what I will say is, from my reading, you know, there are several points throughout this film where she is shown to very much be in control of her own actions and being with the Joker is very much a choice of hers. It is not something that she has to do. Uh, it is something that she wants to do. Yeah. Um, okay. That's, that's going to be my piece on that. And I will leave it there. If you disagree listeners, by all means, as we always say, I'm up for discussion on it and please do educate me. Um, because I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not a female. So, you know, despite what some people may tell you, um, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not able to to read it in that way. Um, but I'd like to think that both of us and, and certainly on, on the shows we look out for this kind of thing are quite sensitive to it. And, and I don't feel like this is particularly exploitative in, in, in any way, um, I, at least not to a negative point. So we get all of that stuff with with Harley and, and Joker. And I, I think we we do need that. Um, so. Aside from that, though, and, and the introduction of Deadshot that we get, the rest of them, it's, it is fine to introduce at this 45-minute mark and just to give us a little bit of Captain Boomerang and a little bit of Slipknot because, look, at the end of the day, Captain Boomerang's a drunk that throws fucking boomerangs. Slipknot yeah. can climb anything. Killer yeah, Croc they're, they're, is... They're kind of the comic relief, aren't they, those two? Yeah, Killer Croc is a giant fucking crocodile. Like, these are not difficult characters to grasp and certainly not in the same way that a Deadshot or a Harley is, where they're slightly more nuanced and complex, because both of those presenters relatively, relatively normal. Um, yeah. You know, aside from the fact that Harley's skin is is bleached white um, and she's covered yeah. in tattoos, she still presents as, as relatively normal. So you may initially have difficulty sort of coming to terms with with why she's such a threat. So. It, I, I get that we need that. Um, yeah, I mean, a Croc as well. A Croc's always been one for me where I don't know. I I always think they could they in every, everything he's popped up in they could make more of of him as a character rather than just as a monster or a threat. I think there's a lot more potential there, and I think they started to explore it here, but then kind of threw it away a bit. Uh, they did. I mean, there's some great stuff for Croc as well. You know, where whenever he does get to speak. He's excellent. I think he probably doesn't get to speak that much because he's expensive, um, which is the whole reason it's, it's Killer Croc and not King Shark. Um, Ayer yeah. has, has said that he wanted King Shark, but it would have been a whole lot of CGI, which is ironic considering Warner Brothers and DC's love of CG. Um, yeah. But, you know, when, when we do get the scene in the bar with Croc and Harley where, you know, they're having a bit of a back and forth, he's great there, you know, towards the end where he, he basically saves the day and, and the guys are about to go in the flooded sewer tunnels and he's like, look, you guys are visitors. I live underground. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of good character stuff with him and, yeah. and maybe if we'd have got a Suicide Squad 2 from Aya, maybe that would be explored more. Um, it, it is a shame. But again, in terms of introducing him to the audience, you need very little. It's like, here's a giant fucking walking crocodile. Yeah, he's a giant crocodile, man. Go yeah. for it. Yeah, you know, you, you don't need... A lot, maybe you know Diablo. I guess you need a little bit of backstory with that, and again, you get that. You do get to see, but Diablo's is is revealed to us much more organically, and I feel like actually his character is introduced the best out of anybody because when it starts, we just get that he's afraid of his powers and he's trying to turn over a new leaf. Yeah, you know, and and it's not until kind of the end of Act Two that we realize why. And so when he mans up at the end and he's, you know, he, again saves the day and, and becomes a hero. Um, and dies spoiler um yeah. it it feels 
like something it's been earned and it's revealed naturally to us so it has i mean the problem i the, uh, it wasn't a problem as such but the i think this the season of agents of shield that was on the same time this came out also featured ghost rider right. and they played him very very similarly yeah i mean i dropped off agents of shield a long long time ago so i didn't have that issue I, I kind of but... dip in and out of it. It's it's all right in dispatches, um, but yeah, I think the I think the se- the series or the season that was running when this came out featured Ghost Rider, and it was very you know, it was a very similar character um, where you had a, um, a a Latin guy who had these phenomenal powers, also involving fire, um, but was very reluctant, very afraid to use them, very afraid to invoke these powers because he then was taken over and lost control and all the rest of it. So having seen that and then seeing this. It was like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah. And that was unfortunate because I think um, the job that um, Jay Hernandez does um, with El Diablo is is fantastic. Um, And I think actually it's it's a better representation of a very similar, um, very similar trope. But it just because it came after in terms of my viewing, it was very difficult, difficult to reconcile the two. Yeah, I get that. Um, But as I say, I I didn't watch it, so I don't. Yeah, I don't have that comparison. And I feel like, you know, just. Just from watching it in the context of this film, I, I think his character is definitely handled the best out of, out of any of them, if I'm honest. Um, and But again, I feel like all of the stuff is there for David Ayer to have done that with with everyone else. You know, had we introduced Deadshot at the shooting range and then flashback to see the stuff with his daughter when it was called for. And, you know, had we slowly drip fed the, the Harley Joker stuff. Yeah. Then then maybe everybody would have felt that, you know. It felt that organic, but it's at this point though this this tooling up sequence that we're talking about here. This forty five minutes in, I've enjoyed the film all the way along, but it's at this point that it really. I was about to snap my fingers. I saved you all, listeners. It's at this <laughs> point that the film like it just kicks into gear for me. And, and, and to be fair, that like the absolute point where I sit up, um, there's a Harley moment here, and it's not the horrendously male gazy part where she's getting changed. Mm. Um, all of that, you know, again, that's played off like she totally knows what's going on um there is there is a shot just after that and it was in the trailer as well it was it was the point where i said i was initially quite worried um about this film you know when it when it was announced and then when the first trailer dropped there is just a shot of her holding the mallet and biting her tongue and i'm just like there she is that's that's harley quinn like yeah. they've they've absolutely nailed it, and then they follow it straight up with with Flag's whole speech then about how if anybody tries anything and if anybody even vexes him, and she steps on his point straight away and just says, uh, "Actually, I'm known to be quite vexing," and yeah. she just she nails it. Like it's it's hilarious. Her delivery is spot on, and it's at this point you realise you know this is supposed to be Will Smith's film, and he is he is excellent in this. And like I said, the best that for me he's been in a long time. Yeah, definitely. but the poor guy just hasn't got a hope. She absolutely steamrolls everyone in this film. She, she just runs she, away with it. She's magnificent. Yeah, you were always going to get that with with Harley Quinn though, because I mean the character is the character always steals the show anyway, and then Margot Robbie's performance is brilliant. Um, I don't know what she, I can't remember what she was in before this. I think she was in Wolf of Wall Street. She was in Wolf of Wall Street. Um, yeah, I can't remember a great deal that she was in. So coming to this film, I'm going, oh, it's her. I know, I know who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then seeing her go, oh, fuck, yeah, okay. Fair play. And she entirely steals this film. 
Oh, it, it's it's the Margot Robbie show. Um, it's... Which, yeah, I mean, I, I, no, that, that that would explain why she's now getting the uh, the spinoff. Well, yeah, I mean, she's it's uh, she's producing that as well, isn't she? So that's, that's she? yeah, that's the amount of faith that's being given to her. You know, off off the back of this film, and and she absolutely deserves it because, like, yeah, the, the character was was always going to be. You know, Harley is Harley. Uh, she's she's a wonderful character, and she's a lot of fun and always entertaining to read or watch, depending on what media you're in. But again, for me, um, as a as a lifelong Batman fan, as as we've talked about, and especially Batman the animated series, this is one of those characters that if if they'd gotten it wrong, would yeah. have just horrendously annoyed me. And they but they get it so right, like it, it's unbelievable how right she gets it. Yeah. Um, so you know, all, all credit to her for that. And I just from here on out, though, like it's like she lights the fuse at this point, and then the next hour or so, I think it's fucking great. <laughs> like, like I don't understand what anybody's problem is with it. Like, yeah, it's slight. Yeah, it's men on a mission, but it's so, fun. So the, many other films. Yeah, you know, and, and, the, and the cast are all excellent. They have brilliant chemistry at, at all hmm. points. Like, like she's head and shoulders above the rest, but the chemistry amongst them all just works. They bounce off each other. The dialogue pops. It's I, there isn't. I, I don't like again. Yeah, it's a men on a mission film, and, it, and it's slight. And you can point fingers at it if you want. You can, you know, yeah, okay, they're fighting CG monsters and stuff, but they kind of have to be, otherwise they're cold blooded murderers if they're just killing people. Well, yeah, that's it. No, and the whole, the whole thing of this is yes, okay, they're expendable because they are you know, super criminals and they will kill people and all the rest of it. But it's very difficult to get an audience to feel sympathy for for that sort of person. Whereas if you put them up against something that's you know, a threat to everybody, not just people, and you know you make it so actually, yeah, there's you know, even though they're you know, they do some dickish things, um, they're still you know, they're still doing the the good thing, the right thing, the honourable thing, even if they go about it in a really fucked up sort of way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't understand the criticism when this film came out. I mean, people were so up in arms about you know, I, I can't remember what it, what the what the criticisms were. It, it's it's no, it's it. I've I read a thing earlier saying no, it's. If if it wasn't for um, X Y and Z, it would be a B plus film. As it stands, it's you know it's a Z minus. Like, but nobody can tell you why it's bad. Nobody's going out. Nobody's going out and saying I think it's shit because of this. And I'm going to put my flag in the sand and say this is why I don't like it. Very few people have actually done that. They've just got. They've uh, some people have said it, and a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon going, Oh yeah, that's shit. I've not seen it, but it's shit. Yeah, and I feel that is really unfair. Like I said, look. Yeah. I can I can boil the things I don't like about this film down to very simple analysis of the first 45 minutes is a mess. And because of that, the film itself feels like a little bit of a mess. Yeah. But once it's off and running, it's fine. Everything pretty much makes sense. The Joker mysteriously vanishes after the helicopter crash and Harley's character transition to rejoining the squad after that is a little bit odd. Yes. And that bugs me. But they kind of full circle around to that, of course, because he comes back at the end. It's a little bit too little too late. But I'd I'd be okay with that even if we'd have just got a little bit more of that switch for Harley. Something had to persuade her to go back to the squad other than, oh fuck, now I'm scared and alone. It needed something a little bit more than that. It needed the hatching of a plan between the two of them, which maybe exists on a cutting room floor somewhere. And again, Ayer has said that he feels his biggest mistake personally 
is not making the Joker a bigger villain. And yeah. uh, if he if he got another shot at it, he would have actually paired Joker with Enchantress and had Joker be the mastermind behind the whole thing. Yeah, which uh, kind of makes sense. And I mean, I my biggest problem on first watching it was that it was you had so much of it was built up and so much of the preamble and so much of the talk about before it started. Yes, it was positioned as um, Will Smith's film, but so much was made of the Joker and Harley side of it that you kind of you expected him to be more present. Yeah, and I think a, a big part of that, again, is off the back of those first trailers. And, yeah. and before that, even, there was an image. Um, yeah, and, and I specifically... yeah, it, was, it was all Jared Leto with the tattoos and the, you know, all the rest of it. And, and, P- and the internet lost their fucking minds, as yeah. they want to do. Now, let, yeah, let's let's address Jared Leto now, then, the, the whole Jared Leto is all... Uh, whatever went on behind the scenes, and however much of a prick Jared Leto is, which I'm sure he is, and I'm sure 90% of that is true, because he seems like he'd be a prick. Um, oh, yeah. I hope he's not, just because I don't want anybody to be a prick. Um, but I, I can, I can buy that he's, he's all the things that people say he is. If I'm honest, um, I, I quite like his Joker. I wouldn't say I really like it, but I, I quite like it. I certainly don't dislike it. No, I can I tell you that a, much. It was a different take. I mean, that's, no, we've exactly had exactly that. We've had. We've had whatever side of the fence you want to come down on. I would argue we've we've probably had our definitive Joker performance. Okay, and you can you can take your pick. You can go Mark Hamill. You can go Heath Ledger. Now you could probably go Joaquin Phoenix as well. But mm. there is this is a role that has been done in varying degrees uh, the same way for yes. for a long time. And, and to me, the definitive performance of that is is Mark Hamill, as, as we've said yeah. many, many times on, on many other shows. Um, and so kind of, I guess, filmmaker and, and actor like you have looked at that and gone, OK, well, let's make it our own. What yeah. what can we do? And, and they get the essence of the character that I really think they do. There's a scene. Um, as I say, we're not really doing play by play here, but th- there yeah, is. A sorry, scene. that's my fault. Um, there is a scene um, sort of around about here after they go on the mission and we just flash back to, to Joker kind of pursuing Harley to to disable the the tracking yeah. chip. Yeah. And there's a scene where he's trying to intimidate the guard. They, they capture him in a casino and it's a very brief scene. The Joker comes in and threatens him and he is absolutely phenomenal. He's just this horrendously aggressive, caged animal almost. And he's but he's still got the swagger and the style and there's something quite seductive about him even. You know, he gets him to kiss his ring and then he sits on his lap and starts sort of getting right up in his face. And there's, there's just this this element of raw chaos and aggression behind it. And it's just been presented to us in a different way. He is, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, it's, it's Joker gone gangster. Okay, that's, that's how he's decided to do it. But for what it is, it absolutely works. Now, whether you decide you like that or not i think is up to you but you can't deny that it's a successful performance much like i personally don't care for heath ledger's joker Mm. never have um but i know it's a fantastic performance and i understand that it's the right joker for that film yes i think that's just not just not my joker and never will be no Um, i mean i think we've said before and it's it's always always controversial when when either one of us says it but had he not died yeah. He wouldn't have won an Oscar for that performance. No. If anything, that was Eckhart's fucking movie. Yep, absolutely was. Absolutely was. And but, sort of. Oh, um, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it went down in history. That you no know, um, Ledger died in, during post production or just before it dropped, and as a result, everybody you know, everybody took that performance. You know, 
he obviously went a bit too method and he went a bit too dark and he couldn't come back. And I think that's a lot of bullshit, but I may be wrong, but it's just one of those that people, uh, people credit that role with a lot, a lot of his demise and credit him with creating part of a role that he didn't, he took from other people. And I think that, you know, that's always going to, that's always going to be something that people take f- from his performance that it, it was, so, it, it was so method and he was so into the role that he never recovered, which I think is just a bit of a fucking stretch to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Whatever you think of it, some people love that performance, and and that's fine. They're entitled to, you yeah. know. I just like I'm entitled to actually quite like this one. Is it the best Joker performance? No, but it's unquestionably a fucking good performance. And yeah. I, yeah, for for this universe, it works. It's the it's the Joker that this version of Harley needs because it's set in a contemporary society. You know, it's not set in the fucking 40s, 50s, 60s, however far back you want to go. You know, every time period has had its Joker. Um, just like we now have another one again um, with with Joaquin Phoenix. And and mm. that's a different universe as well. And yeah. this Joker wouldn't work in that universe. But for this, for this kind of over-the-top universe that this film exists in, yeah. in and of itself... It absolutely works. Um, I don't understand the problem with it other than fucking, and, and I can say this as one of them, just fucking anally retentive fanboys who've got a stick up their ass because it doesn't look like the character that they know and love. Says me, who not even 10 minutes ago was saying I was worried I'd be like that with Harley. Yeah. And again, I'm not because the performance is so fucking good. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, I read a lot when when they were making the film, and sort of when it was coming out, there was a lot of talk about um, Jared Leto and the way he went about it. Like even the rest of the cast were going like, no, he he never broke character. He would be he'd, no, he'd spend all his time on his own, and when you did see him, he would just be babbling incoherently and making really stupid jokes and just trying to fuck things up yeah. because he he wanted to keep in that mindset to the point that when he actually got into the film, he was like, I I don't have to act anymore. This is just me. And it's something that I mean I've I've heard this of Jared Leto a lot that he he does get really in he gets into the part he he goes as method as he can now if you weren't method with this you'd go fucking nuts you you'd never return from it um, but that was kind of what he did he 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 constantly kept himself in a sort of slightly watered down state of anarchy whereby he just did what the fuck he wanted um, like, yeah. you know, a lot of the cast never met him um, that Will Smith famously said I, I I couldn't have told you what the dude looked like without makeup on because I never met him in real life yeah. And no, that that's a testament to him as well. That he, you know, even if you don't like the portrayal, even if you you, know, you don't think it's what you want it to be, it's a fucking strong performance because he's he's gone into it and he 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 believes in what you know, in, he believes in what he's doing. He, the director believes in the way the way they set it up. And I think between the two of them, they're just going, you know what, you've kind of nailed it. You've got you're doing what I want, so just run with it. And it, you know, there's not a, a case of constantly having to change things or constantly working on things. There's a very, there's very much a deep seated uh, part of which has gone, yeah, fuck, I can fuck shit up, yeah, why not? And it's you no, know, it's almost sort of anybody else, and it would be so slightly showbizy nihilistic way. You just no, you're just there to be an arsehole. But he's 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 got it for this character. He he really works. It's probably the only time it would ever it would ever work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's a very specific set of circumstances that that allow this to work. But yeah, but they had them, and so what you get is. You don't get, you know, the Joker as an agent of chaos like you get with with Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm. You get the Joker as a fucking rock star gangster 
who's yeah. just this this powerful evil seductive presence which you know for the story that they're trying to tell with harley as well as yes. as i said earlier works perfectly because you fully understand how she could be so captivated by this this larger than life presence yeah. you know like like he absolutely like yes he's taken massive chunks out of the scenery but he absolutely owns every scene he's in yeah you know and it yeah, I, I like it. If you don't like it, I, I get how it can be polarizing. I, I yeah. understand the criticism towards it and I get how it can be polarizing. But for me, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, the, the thing for me, the thing that sort of stands out for me is that every time you see the Joker portrayed in anything else, any other version, I mean, with the possible exception of Joker, I'm only halfway through Joker, so I can't comment on it too much. But there's always a grand scheme. There's always something massive. There's always something that can potentially bite him in the arse and go horribly, horribly wrong because there's something massive that Batman can fall. In this, this is just you know, him kind of on an everyday tear. He's not out to, no, he's not out to you know, bankrupt the city. He's not out to poison everybody or kill people, kill everybody. That's just a byproduct of him being there. And it's it's kind of, it's almost like a watered down version where you see him on his day off. Yeah, I mean he's he's not there for any other reason than to free Harley. Yeah, he's he's just he's not you know he's not got any agency in terms of a criminal plot or anything. He's he's and I don't think trying he, to free Harley. Yeah, and I don't think you ever see him in any other medium in that in that in that capacity. There's always. I say he's always trying to escape from Arkham or he's always trying to break people out or to kill Batman or catch Batman or poison the water for no, uh, or no, something. He's always up to something. He's always scheming. He's always trying to do something nefarious. Whereas here, he just, no, I say he's he's got very little agency over the the overall story. He's, there's, there's not a lot he can do that will influence it apart from no, hijacking a helicopter and rescuing Harley. Yeah. I, and again, you know... That's why he's needed to sell their relationship here, you know, and, and you get the, the duality of that. Like, well, yeah, like, I mean, yes, you know, of... as we said, he needs her as much as she needs him. He well, absolutely what's... cannot bear to see her in prison and being used in this way. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, it's it's a side you never see. You always see the other side of it, whereby she's doing everything to appease him, to uh, to, you know, to to please him, to titillate him, whatever it might be. It's always one-sided. You never see his side of it. And there's, I mean, obviously there's a sadistic side to it where he's not, it's coming from a place of love, but it's all, also, you no. Know, why, why does anybody else get to you know, get the chance to know? Oh, absolutely. You could, you could, you could yeah, die yeah. in this. Why does anybody else get to take that away from me? Because you know, when you die, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It, it's there's always that, there's that side to it. But it's, nevertheless, it's still the other side of that relationship, which you never, ever see. No, um, yeah, I, I I could go on at, at length defending his portrayal of the Joker. I'm actually I'm bummed that we're not going to see more of it. Yeah. Um, I I don't know that I ever really wanted to see him go up against Batfleck. If I'm honest, I I I'm not sure how this version of the Joker plays against a Batman for more than a couple of scenes. No, I'm not that either. We've, uh... That we've seen, but for what it is, I I like it. As I say, I like it a great deal. I don't love it, but I like it. Um. And I certainly don't dislike it. Um, so, yeah, um, I, he's only in this film for about 12 minutes, mind you. If, so if that, that. that tells it's, it's about 12 minutes it's been clocked as. It's more in the extended cut because most of the cut footage features him. Um, and so the amount of reaction that it got as well, 
the majority of it negative, admittedly. But that tells you something. The amount of reaction it generated from 12 minutes of film. Yeah. You know, there's something about this performance one way or the other. So for me, yeah. as I say, I like it. Um, and so, yeah, OK, so so that's a thing that the, the gang's all together. And then we're, we're off on this men on a mission thing. Now, the, the next 40 odd minutes is pretty much a straight run to the end as, as the guys just go to save Walla, albeit unknowingly. You know, they're getting her out of what is a crisis zone. It all goes vaguely escape from New York because the city streets are being overrun and the helicopter yeah. crashes and. You know, they have to pull together very quickly. And, and again, we get some great character moments between them all. Um, but look, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend anything other than the next 40 minutes is just the fucking Margot Robbie show. And oh, yeah, it, there, there are just too many wonderful moments. I, I, I have listed them. all. I've got about six pages of notes and the majority of them just saying how much i fucking love her performance you know it just just some of the highlights you know, there's little things like the introduction of, of katana almost straight away and she's she's clearly very aloof and threatening to kill everybody and harley's reaction is oh well she seems nice yeah. you know and, and genuinely meaning it like oh this is a friend you know um yeah and i mean just, you get i mean that carries over as well i mean um the i saw the first uh the first trailer for birds of prey a couple of days ago and again it's it's just exactly the same it's what you expect it's Mayhem and chaos and oh, we can have pizza. Yeah, which, and so completely which, from fucking nowhere, and it's just—it's the essence of that character where the brain is so scrambled. Yes, that it just can't follow a coher- a coherent thought through. It's yeah, like absolutely. the uh, the dog from Up. No, yes, it's, it's a squirrel, squirrel moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like yeah, it's just abs- the way she, the first time she does it, you think, oh, okay, that's interesting, and the way it keeps on happening, and you just got. Oh yeah, that no, that part of the character—it's not something you get with the character in a, in a lot of the um, the iterations. But I mean, you didn't get it in the animated series a lot of the time. You certainly you've got it more a bit more in the games actually in the Arkham games um, that um, Harley Quinn was in because she was written probably twenty years hindsight. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of an extension of that. Um, but yeah, I just think the, the the way the the way the character has evolved into there's a there's a bit more personality there than you possibly initially had because in, yeah. In, initially, I think there was a bit too much of this of the uh, slightly lovesick, slightly infatuated, um, not bimbo because she was always very intelligent, but she was always too eager to please and always went slightly too far, got it slightly wrong and ended up getting captured again. This one, there's a bit more sophistication to the character and a, well, to the, there's a bit more development to the character whereby there's actually a bit of criminal intensity of her own. There's a, there's a little bit of a, um, her mind is coming back or is being applied because she's not constantly sucking up to the Joker and trying to impress him. And I think yeah, that's I, where the character really gets to come into it into her own. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we have to remember that when she was introduced in the animated series, um, as as constantly entertaining as she is, she was there for comic relief. Yeah. And so she was batshit crazy for 90% of the time and very over the top and, and zany because it was an animated show and, and you could do that and that worked with that Joker. Um, yeah. But has, as she's progressed as a character and, and particularly in comics more than anyone else, you know, I mean, the, the most recent runs on the comics, she's almost at a Deadpool level of fourth wall breaking now as well. You know, she is all over the shop and and they play that very well here. You know, um, again, right back at the, the tooling up scene with the introduction, there's, there's the sequence with the voices where mm. she sort of said, oh, it's the voices, t- they're telling me to kill you all. And then she just laughs and says, oh, I'm joking. That's not what they're saying. Um, <laughs> and it, it's those little moments. That yeah. Are just, just so wonderful. But in amongst all of that as well, again, saying about how much a- agency she has over her own actions, you know, there's a, 
particularly her and Will Smith get to riff off each other quite a lot, and they're very good together, actually. But there, there is a sequence where um, they, they're on initially landing, they're sort of forming a plan, and um, he says, you know, he's going to do this and that, and, it, and then her friends come in, and her friend's going to take care of everything, right? And she sort of realises what he's saying, and then takes it and applies another level again and gives him a bit of a wink and a nudge and says, you can be my friend too. And it's, again, it's that subtlety of like, I am quite aware that this could be a dangerous situation. And if I need to, I will use my body as a weapon. Yeah. Um, so she's always kind of owning it. And so there's that level as well. She is self-aware. Um, I, I could just, I could go on about her all night, honestly, because I've got pages and pages and pages of how great a portrayal this is. I, I so cannot wait to see more of her on screen. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to to Birds of Prey. Yeah, particularly where it looks like they're going to take her as well. She's getting hyenas and all sorts. I, yeah. I can't fucking wait. But anyway, this isn't about that. Um, we get this, this first real action sequence, and it's fucking great. Like, yeah, okay, again, they're fighting like these multi-eyed monster things but the action sequence itself is great everybody's doing their thing we get yeah. the whole hero shot for, for deadshot where it's low angle and he's up on top of the car just wasting motherfuckers just absolutely taking everyone out and everyone just sort of stands back and watches him and again it's like look you didn't have to give us all of the backstory because we get how awesome he is here yeah like you know um and then shortly after that, you know, you get the bit where Harley sort of breaks into a shop window to steal. I think it's a bag that she steals. And mm. he's just stood looking at mannequins of, of the family. And it, look, you get the character information there. He's looking at mannequins of happy families there. Yeah. We get it. We, you know, we, we didn't have to be so heavy handed earlier on. Um, we get Harley's origin then in flashback, like proper origin. We get being yeah. pushed into the vat of chemicals. It's all fine. All good. Um, the Joker showing up works really well when he gets there because it's been seeded all the way through. Like I said, yeah. there's, there's this B storyline about him chasing after it. Then he shows up in the helicopter. We get another great action sequence. Oh, incidentally, I've glossed over the elevator fight with Harley, which is another one of those moments that I don't think I even need to say anything about. Um, yeah, it, it's fantastic. Um, and then of course we, we start to get the real kind of, um, the back and forth of these characters where, where Deadshot's, Waller orders Deadshot to kill Harley because she's getting away and, and he misses for the first time. Yeah. And then that's where you start to realise, you know, that there's weight to these characters now. Yes, it was men on a mission, but they bonded over their experiences. And now we have a team. We have a, a real crew that, that have things, you know, that, that bounce off each other and, and care for each other. Um, yeah, there's, there's the death or apparent death of the Joker, which gets kind of brushed aside. Um, yeah. That's, that's the most unfortunate bit about this half of the film. That's, yeah, the, I think that's so. the only bit that really, really doesn't work for me. Um, but uh, fine, I'll go with it. It's not so annoying that I can't go with it. It just, I, I bump up against it a little with Harley, but given everything that we have with her so far and given that she spent some time in isolation anyway and has already shown us through the conversation with Deadshot earlier on, which is why I brought it up, that she's willing to basically hitch her flag to whoever she needs to to yeah. get it done and get out of here. I'm okay with it, I guess. It it just could work better. Uh, if, yeah. if we had seen the hatching of a grand plan between the two of them, 
And it, you know, it would, doesn't have to be fully spelled out to us, but if we understood that when she went back, she was doing the, you know, she was she was going back there knowing that he's alive and he's going to be coming back for her. She just needs to get this thing done because it's pointless him coming for her if the world's been blown up. Yeah. Um, I just think it would have worked that much better. Yeah, um, I think you're right. But of course, we have to get the character moment with her is the thing as well. You know, she has to start questioning herself and, you know, there's the whole sequence in the bar where they're all drinking and stuff. Um. Uh, and this is where we get Diablo's backstory. Feels very natural. Works really well. Yeah, um, well timed as well. Yeah, and then again, talking about just the agency with Harley as well. Her response to it all. No, you fucking own that shit. Like that is that is her response when he's crying into his tequila or whatever he's drinking. Stereotype. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's actually drinking tequila. That's me. Um, you know, and crying about the fact that he's killed his family and all this and that. And she's just like, look, you fucking own that shit. You are what you are. Yeah. I am who I am. You are who you are. Just fucking deal with it and move yeah. on. That, um, that's it. And there's almost, I mean, there's a lot of that with, with all of them that we, again, you know, it's it's set, they're set up as, you know, they're the worst of the worst, the worst of the biggest criminals with the exception of Joker. They're the most deadly, the most you know, vicious and sadistic and all the rest of it. But you know, there's, there's a lot of, coming to own that and actually almost coming around and becoming not quite reformed, but there's no, there's enough, there's enough with them by the end where you go, actually, yeah, they, you know, they, there are some redeeming qualities there. And part of that is, as I said, you own that, you accept who you are. Don't fuck about with it. Don't go, Oh, well, you know, well, I could have done this. I could have done. It's done. It's, it's over with, forget it. I can move on and just do what you do because otherwise we're all going to die anyway. And there's, once you get that acceptance with quite a few of them, it actually goes, it, it makes the, it makes their dynamic shift slightly as well. You see, it's, they, they do bond quite a lot of doing this of the, the, uh, the, sort of the, the middle, sort of the, 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 sort of the, the, the opening of the second act or the, towards the middle of the film. And it, it works quite well because it would be very easy for them to go, well, no, well, you're a psycho and you're a psycho and you're a psycho and oh, you're a super psycho. You kill for fun. No, you kill more people for fun. They don't do that. They actually, no, they try and round the characters out a bit, and it, it sometimes it's a little bit heavy-handed, but I do think it works for the most part. I think they pull it off very well. You know, particularly in this bar scene, we get the point where you know Flag comes in and he's he's broken. Mm. You know, Flag Flag feels like he's he's failed, and yeah. there's been this back and forth between him and and Deadshot all along because he's he's kind of the the aggressor in a lot of ways, but yeah. Deadshot. But you know, he comes in here, deactivates all of the tracking devices. And straight away, boomerangs out the door, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, uh, you know. And then you get you sort of you get the bonding movement uh, moment then between him and Deadshot. And there's initial tension where he's about to kill him because he realizes he's been carrying all his daughter's letters around. And then he's like, "No, do you know what? I get it. This is the call to action. This is my chance to make right. My daughter's gonna remember me for who I am." And he gets his big hero speech. And again, this is where, and it's played for and got, but poor old yeah. Will Smith, because he should get his moment in the sun. He gets his big hero <laughs> speech, walks out of the door. And then the scene ends again with Margot Robbie just shrugging her shoulders and going, yeah, I'll come. <laughs> and she just plays it off so perfectly. Just, yeah. you know, like he's going because he wants to prove himself, but he wants to, you know, show his daughter that, that she can be proud of him. And she's just yeah. like, well, I've got nothing else to do. Yeah, so I'm, I'll, I'm I'll go bored. Fuck, yeah, I'll go and fuck some shit up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it is. I mean, it's 
as if the evolution of that character has become that sort of thing and has, has got to that point where it's you, you kind of expect it almost where you know that whatever is going on you could know you could have the most meaningful scene in the world and she'll just pop up at the end and say something completely fucking stupid which undermines everything but in such a perfect way you can't be pissed off about it no absolutely not um and so then for the last we get all of that that's all good and then for the last kind of quarter of an hour 20 minutes it kind of turns into ghostbusters yeah and i love it like i absolutely love 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 like i said i've enjoyed this film all along but i absolutely love 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 the last 15 20 minutes of this film and again there are a few issues largely around harley because we get this whole thing where she's shown her and the joker playing happy families and she sort of says oh i I want that because they're talking about how they don't necessarily want what they're being shown um and that's fine i'm okay with her wanting that but in that case it doesn't make sense that she's come back um Mm. but again you need that for her to get to the point at the end to to sort of swing it around so i understand why it's there it just doesn't quite quite work well uh, as it could but but tonally that it's a fucking blast the last the last fight in this film is a blast and yeah it's a big cg showdown again but like everyone gets to do their thing they're fighting essentially Zool. Let's not, yeah, let's let's not, not fuck, fuck around that. here. Like, it's clear what they're going for. And for the most part, they pull it off. Um, and I, I just fucking love it. It's great. And especially, you know, the, the very last scene, uh, or not very last scene, sorry, but the very last sort of moments of, of the fight scene hmm. is literally the whole squad coming together. You know, you get fucking croc comes out from the hole he's blown in the ground and throws the bomb harley throws the gun deadshot catches the gun makes the shot it's like it takes everyone everyone adds a little piece to the puzzle yeah and it's it's great we've been on this journey albeit only 40 minutes long because it took us that long to start it but we've been on this journey with these characters and seen them go from absolute reprobates who would kill each other as soon as look at each other yeah to a sort of, I wouldn't say dysfunctional family, but certainly a, a functioning task force, if you like, um, of, of friends is where, is where they've ended up. They've, they've revealed their, their sort of innermost desires to each other along the way. And they formed it like I, it's such a shame we won't get to see more of that. I know there's going to be another Suicide Squad, but I get the feeling it's very much going to be a kind of soft reboot. Well, um, it is, isn't it? I mean, they've, they've gone out of their way to say that. You know, it's, it's not a sequel. It's I think the phrase soft reboot has actually been used. And um, it's, it's a just, shame, yeah. I think. I mean, I've got to be honest. I, I, I haven't watched it for a while. So I, as I, I'm like you, I've watched it probably three or four times since um, since I've had it. Um, probably about the same number of times I've watched Justice League. And I think for me. The, this this of this last scene as, as you're talking about you know, where they all have their role to play they all kind of come together for me it's better than the the end the sort of the, the end scene of justice league i oh yeah i mean Got- I, I appreciate this and I, I would watch this 10 times out of 10 over you, you justice just, league you just took the words out of my mouth i i don't dislike justice league but i don't love it yeah um I, and and i would definitely take this over that i would also watch this over any of the supermans that we've just had. Um, I'd watch it over Man of Steel. I'd watch it over Dawn of Justice. I don't know about Wonder Woman. That would be a close call. That would I, be a, that I would think, be a tight one. I, I think Wonder Woman would probably win I for think, me on that one. I think Wonder Woman's a better film. I think it hasn't I might, got the same. Hasn't got I the same might choose charm, this. this no, there is something inherently charming about this film. That is the best word for it. You've I absolutely the, nailed I it. I think the thing that the inherent the inherent charm to it is that we all no. 
we see all these characters, all these superhero characters, and yes, okay, they're all flawed, but they're all just that little bit aspirational, whereas this film is about a bunch of fuck-ups who all of us can identify with some degree of, okay, we're not all sociopaths and murderers and all the rest of it, but every one of us at some point in our lives fucks up. We all kind of go a little bit off the rails. We all do some things that are a bit stupid and a little bit wrong. And we kind of atone for them as best we can if we want to, but we live our lives regardless. And we don't spend our time beating ourselves up and um, going all vigilante and um, dark and brooding and um, expensive cars and shit. And this is kind of, this kind of feels more relatable in that respect because we don't know. We don't all have dead parents. We're not all from other planets. We're not all Amazons, but we are all a little bit fucked in the head. And I think that's where the mass appeal of this film comes from is the, is that even though no, to a degree, we can all see a little bit of no, a little bit of the crazy in ourselves. Or we can all see a little bit of that. No, that person who has a, no, in, in Deadshot's case has a very particular skill set, but it does what he does for his family. You know, he, I don't know, at his heart, he's a family man. We we can all kind of find something in some of these characters. So if you look at it in in that respect, a lot of people will come to us and go, "Yeah, okay, it's no, it, it's a bit of fun, but I I could do that. That's a bit of, no, that's a bit of a laugh." And you don't get that with what no, with the metahumans in this universe, aren't they? Then I'm not mutants or no superheroes, they're metahumans. Um, but yeah, so you, you can't no, you don't get that with them because it's all a bit dour and a bit serious and fate of the worldy. And whereas this, this is also fate of the worldy, but yeah, who cares? We're having a laugh. It, it's exactly that. That's what's charming about it. I think is you've hit the nail on the head is it is just, it's men on a mission and it's these guys just having a laugh and fucking shit up. And it's, I find it endlessly entertaining despite its problems, you know, much like Mario and some of the other, you know, bad films that, that we've watched on, on this podcast. Yeah. But, and not just these the dc films of which this is definitely not the best because wonder woman clearly is and actually aquaman's very good as well um, i'd take this over aquaman any day i yeah so would i i honestly think i'd probably take it over i mean look okay we couldn't do wonder woman on this podcast because it's it's objectively it's too, good. too good yeah but I, I could very easily as i say, i was off today i could have very easily popped wonder woman in the player and watched that after this um I didn't. I chose to watch this, even though we're doing it for the podcast. I chose to watch this today, just like I've chosen to watch it um, three times before. Three times. I'm just wondering whether "chosen" is the right term of phrase there. I don't believe it is. Um, just like I would choose to watch it anyway. Again, um, but you know, I, and it's it's not just the DC films. I don't think there's any other film in my library from the last probably five or six years that I've watched this much. So it's like if I've got if I've got two hours to kill, there is a very high chance, and I, and I never have two hours to kill, mind you, but there is a very high chance if I'm going for a film that I own, I might just go for this. <laughs> I already have done on a number of occasions, so that's got to say something. Yeah, you know? I, I think so. I mean, as I, as I, I, I didn't see the same. So I've, every time I've watched this, is because I've opted to, especially when I, as I don't travel so much with work anymore, but I used to. Um, and I would have to, no, because of the cost of paying for Wi-Fi and hotels and shit, I would put stuff on my iPad or put stuff on my laptop to take with me. And I've chosen this more than once because yeah. I know it's a good time. I don't have to think about it too much. It's not the most, no, it's not an overly serious film. I can watch it. I can throw it on. It'll make me laugh. Won't make me cry because it's not that sort of film. Um, no, it's, it's, it's no up. But, um, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing I can put on and it's, 
it's easy to watch. It's a good time, and I don't have to concentrate on it too much. But I know I'm going to enjoy it. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of those you kind of th- it's easy to overlook. It's easy to to ignore because in the back of your mind, you've always got you no know, this sort of alarm bell, this siren going, saying that was shit, that was shit, that was shit, because that's what is universally thought of it, even yeah. though it's numb. I mean, some, again, some of the films we've looked at, that's been the case where you, you have this sort of you know, pop culture siren going, well, that was shit, that was shit, that was shit, that was shit, because that's what everything you ever hear about it is negative. And that's, for me, that's the biggest, the most off-putting thing with this is that I'm supposed to think it's shit because everybody else thinks it's shit. And sometimes, you know, every time I watch it, I go, why, why do people think that's shit? I don't get it. Yeah, okay, so we've talked about the problems, but they're far outweighed by the enjoyment I get out of this film. Definitely. I, I get, as I say, there are problems. I see them. I understand why people level criticism of it, at it. I particularly understand why pompous critics level criticism as it, at it, rather. Says us, who, you know, at least twice a week pull things down on a regular basis. <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at. You know, we do... We do go out of our way to give, I think, as balanced an account as we can. We don't shit on things for the fun of it. No, um, I mean, if, generally, if we call if we call something out or we you know we make a point, then we back it up. You know, there's always a logic to it. There's always a reason for it. Um, it's not. I mean, you get some. I say, especially with the internet. The internet's a, the internet's full of dickheads. Let's be fair. Um, us included half the time. But people will go out of their way to shit on something just because it's there. Yes. And if they don't like it, they'll shit on it. If they don't get it, they'll shit on it. But they won't have any object, anything objective or anything remotely constructive to add to it. It's just, well, that was shit because I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it was shit. Well, what did you like about it? It was shit. Well, why is yeah. it shit? Because I didn't like it. That's not an answer. That's not a reason as to what's wrong with it. That's just your opinion, which you have nothing to base it on other than probably you've read it on fucking Twitter elsewhere before you've seen it and gone, yeah, that sounds about right. I can't possibly have an opinion of my own because I might then look silly because I'm not saying what everybody else is saying. And it just, it winds me up because I mean, I, I've, I'm, I've, I mean, you've, we've known each other for quite a long time and I've always said, I won't criticize something until I've seen it, heard it, read it, whatever, you know, whatever medium it is, I will experience it in the way it's supposed to be experienced. And then if I have something to say, I can base it on something. Yeah. But, and, and, and once I, once I have some, once I've experienced it, I will go to fucking town on it if needs be. And there are records in my in my collection. There are films in my collection which I don't openly admit to, um, or I blame the fact I have a shared library with uh, with uh, with a missus. Um, but there are things in there which I've bought because I've heard good or bad things. I've been curious and I've gone well. I can't judge it until I've tried it. With the advent of, of Spotify and Netflix and shit like that, I don't have to spend the money anymore. I don't have to buy them to experience it. Um, I can pay for them in other ways. I, no, I do pay for them. I don't pirate them, but. I can experience them in other ways and then delete them all together and forget all about it. But at least I can go into it saying I have my opinion based on the fact that I've seen, heard, read and think X, Y, and Z about it. Not just, oh, well, I've read on the internet that no, everybody says it's shit, so it must be shit. That's my opinion. Because that doesn't mean anything. And that doesn't no. add anything to the discourse. At least us yammering on for the best part of two hours adds something to the discourse. I mean, I hope so. I, I hope that, you know, we, we've highlighted some of the what i think are the problems um or but problem, also, some, also some, as it was but also, also some of the triumphs as well yes how much there is to enjoy about it you know it's the it's got a, a relentlessly fun energy the vibe is very retro yeah 
Um, it really does feel like a like you would find it in a video shop in in the eighties, and yes. it would be it would be a beef, and I don't mean a B movie in that the production is cheap, but you know you'd have your premier titles in a video shop, which would cost like two ninety nine a night or whatever, yeah. and then you'd have your your one pound fifties that were just you know maybe yeah, a bit older three, or they were straight to videos. Yeah, it very much feels like one of those. And yeah. do you know what? I can honestly say, even to this day. Those were my fucking favourites. Always oh, were, always will be. Because I got to see them uh, that much more because they were cheaper, so I rented them more often. And they'll always have a special place in my heart. And uh, this is the only film in recent memory, I think, that's kind of wormed its way into my heart in that way. Mm. It really, really has. The, like there is, there is a little space in there for for this film with me and and yes i'm aware that it has problems and I, i've called it out for having those problems but it doesn't affect my enjoyment even one iota because the good is so good and and ultimately it is that it's that energy that really carries me through this you know it's it's two hours it's not a massive chunk of your life like say watching fucking phantom menace or battlefield earth was yeah. you know it's never boring it's constantly moving it's constantly hilarious I I just really, really like this fucking film. I don't, I I feel so bad for it whenever it gets rubbished, and I will always jump to its defense. And look, a lot of times that will end in just a simple difference of opinion, but a lot of times that is because, as you said, the people who are trying to drag it down don't actually know why they're trying to drag it down. It's a bit like trying to argue with a Remainer. Um, sorry, with a Lever. Um, yeah. They, they don't understand why they want to leave. Uh, they just know that they don't want to remain. Um, yeah, that's and it. it's, it's exactly the same. Um, and so, yeah, look, I, I don't know what else there is to say. You know, we, we're not, so we, we haven't really done a play by play on this. Um, we, we've kind of given the broad strokes. Um, but if you haven't seen it, don't listen to the criticism. Go and watch it and yeah, make your own it for yourself. That's yeah. It. Yeah, and and if you have and you think we're wrong, uh, then as always, let me know. I'm I'm up for discourse and debate. But please bring something if you're going to do but, that. Don't just come at us with it's shit. Yeah, but not because only that, it is shit. Yeah, I mean, not only that. If you're gonna, if you are, if you if you do disagree with us and you do want to come out, come back at us and have a chat with us, go back and watch it again first. Go yeah. back and figure out what it is that that gets you go so much, that winds you up, that makes you think. This is a pile of bollocks. I don't want. I don't want to like this film because it does this. It does this. This character is shit. This doesn't do that. Get get your mind around what it is that you don't like, because there's nothing worse when you're trying to have discourse with anybody that they don't understand what it is they they're arguing about, because that's what it is. I mean, it, as as polite and as genial as as any discussion is, if there are two sides, it's an argument. It doesn't have to be a heated argument or or a bitter argument, but it's an argument. But when you it's it, if you have if somebody has an opinion that's different to you and you can argue with them, you can have that conversation with those. OK, I accept your point. But what about X, Y and Z? Or no, you're wrong because of this that, and the other. If you've got somebody on the other side who says, no, shit. Why is it shit? Because it's shit. Yeah. But why is it shit? Because it's shit. You can't argue with that. You can't. There's no debate to be had. They don't have a point and you can't make a counter. And it's just so it's it's so frustrating. And I think it's, it's one of the reasons that I get so wound up by critics um, because a lot of the time they've seen the no, they've seen the first ten minutes of a film. They've got to get through a dozen in a, in a, for a, for a column. So they go, oh yeah, well that was boring. Fuck it, and they don't give you anything to go on other than they didn't like it. Yeah, 
Uh, which, you know, part of criticism is you have to have a personal opinion, I guess, but try to be constructive. Yeah. But you can have you can have a personal opinion, but you have to be able to justify it. You have to be able to you have to be you don't justify you don't never have to justify your opinion, but you should be able to explain it if challenged. Yes. yes you should know agree. where you're coming from. You should know what your point is. And a lot of the time you don't get that. Sorry, that's my rant for the day. Uh yeah, totally with you. Uh and like I said, that's that's actually touches a few buttons at the moment with everything going on politically uh, as well. Um, But we won't go into that. No, hell no. This isn't the place for that. Um, But look, yeah, reach out. If we're wrong, reach out. Let us know if, you know, if you really, really fucking hate Jared Leto's Joker, then tell me why. Yeah, that's it. But that's, that's the crux of it. Don't just tell us, tell us why. Yeah. And if, and if you hate Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, then, definitely yeah definitely (laughs) tell us why because there's something wrong with you yeah Um, clearly not wired the right way yeah Um, but i mean i I think in in spirit i think we've kind of got to the end of where we're going to go with this so i mean i i don't think i need to ask the question but i i have to because it's the name of the show is this film better than super mario brothers absolutely categorically yes this is without shadow of doubt my favorite film that we have watched to date for this show yeah um best maybe it may be the best as well like rubber is still a very high bar for me um but they're very different films um they again, are very different films again though putting both in front of me now i'm taking this every single time um so yeah categorically um this is this is the top of the top of the list for me I yeah think. I, i'd say i'd say that's fair so that's probably right i mean yeah definitely for me as well this is infinitely better than uh, super mario brothers um yeah, I, mean, I think we've we've kind of covered that over the last hour and a half. I don't think I need to go into it again. Um, but as always, if you want to um, talk to us about that, if you want to get in touch, um, you can find us on Facebook with the Double Lamp Podcast Network. On Twitter, we're at ddpodcastnet. Uh, you can go to our website, ddpodcast.net. I did forget the Twitter handle, sorry. Um, you can go to our website, ddpodcastnet.net, uh, where you can find this show or other shows, um, uh, contact details as well if you want to get in touch with us. But yeah, let us know. I mean, as, as we said all the way through, if this is such a polarizing film. I would love to know what people think about it because, I mean, I've, I've never had a sort of in-depth discussion about the sort of the, the flaws of the film before, but I've never heard anybody come up with a coherent argument as to why it's so bad, and I'd love to hear it. So by all means, get in touch. Uh, but until next time, see you later.